Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. Welcome to our latest bite-sized podcast, which comes after the pre-event media day for the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola. I was at the track with Luke Smith, Autosport's F1 reporter uh, today, which was uh, pretty much filled with uh, lots of big breaking news, starting off with Alfa Romeo confirming that it will continue with Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi for 2021, and George Russell and Williams ending the speculation about his future next year and confirming that he will stay, indeed stay in alongside Nicholas Latifi, as when announced back in the summer. Now, we're driving back to our accommodation, which is about half an hour drive from the Imola track. So, Luke, over to you. What did you make of uh, today? Was it as busy as you predicted uh, last night? Well, yeah, I think going to bed last night, I was anticipating quite a busy day. Uh, Autosport broke the news last night that uh, George Russell's trainer, Aleš Kasanovas, he was uh, showing COVID-like symptoms yesterday and was self-isolating as a result. So obviously that led to some sort of thoughts about what could potentially happen in terms of ramifications on the Williams team, on George Russell as well. Uh, George Russell was in the paddock today. He said uh, that his trainer is feeling good, that uh, he's only showing mild symptoms, a sore throat. They both underwent tests today and they'll come back tomorrow, but anticipating that there shouldn't be too many issues there. Uh, George Russell said that he's not got a replacement trainer in yet. He uh, quoted uh, the great songwriter Jason Derulo saying that he's riding solo currently this weekend. So I think with that setting the tone, yeah, we were anticipating quite a busy day and then uh, we knew that the Alfa Romeo announcement was coming this morning, having Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen retained for next year, as you rightly say. And uh, then we were expecting to give George Russell a grilling about his future and sort of say, well, you said you wanted clarity from Williams, like what's going on? And they beat us to the punch and uh, 
the acting Williams team principal Simon Roberts said that he was apologetic for any confusion that may have been caused but he could confirm that George Russell and Nicholas Tiffy will be remaining with the team for next year so that put an end to that silly season story and I think that three of the seats that maybe had some question marks 24 hours ago uh, now have absolutely none whatsoever and we now know what's going on with their futures. Well, I'm afraid you lost me at Jason Derulo there, Luke, but, uh, but nevertheless, I seem like some sort of popular artist, perhaps. Uh, but yes, you're right, it, it did put everything to bed with Williams, and it, it was kind of surprising that it's like we're only a week on. I mean, we're, we're, we're eight days on, because obviously it's a two-day weekend here at Imola, but uh, eight days on from Simon Roberts speaking in that press conference uh, in Portugal, where he, he could have had the opportunity to nip this in the bud once and for all, and it was really, really strange that he didn't, frankly. Like, the, the, the question was, you know, there is speculation about it. Why are you choosing to end again? He was saying, well, all I can say is is that nothing has changed. But the, the, the easiest thing to have said would have been, I can confirm that the speculation amounts to nothing and there is no problem. But his wording was really confusing. So it's interesting to hear him today say, you know, sorry for the confusion. But, uh, but anyway, I'm sure that's a very good clarification. I enjoyed all of George Russell's uh, social media posts uh, relating to that, suggesting he wasn't worried at all. But um, obviously it has a knock-on effect with the Williams seat sewn up in that Sergio Perez, obviously soon to be out at Racing Point, surely now, considering we think that, obviously with the Alfa seat sewn up and we think that it'll be Mick Schumacher and uh, Nikita Mazepin in at Haas next year in an all-rookie lineup. The only place really for Perez to go is Red Bull, which is one of the best seats in Formula 1. That's if it doesn't retain Alex Albon. So what is the latest update there, Luke? So, yeah, as you rightly say, it is really the only option now for Perez to stay in F1 would be if he uh, were to land a seat with Red Bull. Red Bull are known to be considering the future of Alexander Albon. They have said that if they were to replace him, they would look outside their driver pool. We obviously got confirmation earlier this week that Pierre Gasly will be remaining with Alpha Tauri for next season. So really, it points to Albon or someone else outside that, that Red Bull pool. So you're thinking Sergio Perez, Nico Hulkenberg maybe. Uh, the change in weekend format meant that the press conference today actually had the drivers always joined by their team principals. So Alex Albon, Max Verstappen uh, and Christian Horner all faced the media together. Horner was asked again about Albon's future and he said, look, this seat is there for Alex to take. And he said, basically, we want him to stake a claim to it and obviously really uh, claim it as he can. And that, I think, is just where things are at now. right now. Red Bull want Albon to put in performances so they can give him that seat. And I think, really, they've been lacking recently. I think that Red Bull have been quite honest about their sort of uh, expectations of him and, and what they want to see. It's going to be, I think, a big race weekend for Albon to try and, uh, I guess, sort of put a stake in the ground and really get that seat sewn up. Because the longer this speculation goes on, the longer he doesn't put in that real clincher and convincing display, I think it's only going to cause this story to really rumble on. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, I think Sergio Perez knows that Red Bull is now his only option uh, to keep himself on the grid for next season. It's uh, it's a difficult situation for him to be in because ultimately Red Bull, I don't think they particularly, they're not showing any great signs to particularly want him right now. That's the thing. Like They keep saying that it's for Albon to claim the seat and make it his. So I think both of them face uh, a very sort of uncertain period coming up. And I think it's really interesting how that sort of plays out. But uh, yeah, I think Albon... It's in his hands, but it's been in his hands for a long time and he's not taking it. So I think the, the clock is definitely ticking on that one for him. So is it fair to say that the same sort of applies for Nico Hulkenberg, that that would be he's in a similar situation? Red Bull's the only real hope and, uh, you know, he's, he's got to play the waiting game as Perez does. Yeah, basically. Uh, Hulkenberg has sort of obviously made these great stand-in displays this year for Racing Point and is definitely on the radar. Um, there is obviously the rumours going around that Max Verstappen has privately said that he would want Hulkenberg as his teammate for next year. The two are known to get on very well. And I think that now that we've got Alfa Romeo confirming their lineup, Haas, 
Bottas, as you said, it's looking like it's going to be Schumacher and Mazepin. Uh, Mattia Bonotto, I asked him today what Ferrari was sort of thinking in terms of promoting its F1 juniors, uh, Mick Schumacher being part of that programme, and he said that really there is one seat up for grabs. So that does sort of give us, I guess, implicit confirmation that that half seat will be taken by one Ferrari junior, and uh, that is looking like Schumacher. He said they want to make a decision on it before the F2 season finale in Bahrain. Schumacher's leading the standings. He's got a super licence, so it all points to him going there. So if there's no room at the inn at Haas for Hulkenberg, then yeah, Red Bull again is sort of the only option, I think. So I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. And then also if Red Bull were to drop uh, Alex Albon, what he would do as well, because uh, Alfa Tauri, they're obviously thinking about their drive plans for next year. We know Gazi's got one of the seats. Yuki Tsunoda, he's going to be testing a 2018 Toro Rosso car at Imola next week. And that's, I think, a real sort of chance for him to get up to speed. There are plans for him to do some FP1 sessions towards the end of the season as well. Again, that points to him sort of being really in contention for that uh, AlphaTauri seat next season. Daniel Kvyat, he was asked today sort of about his future and he said that he's sort of just, he's not really spoken to the team much about it and he can't really do a lot about the rumours going around and the various names being linked to his seat. But you've got to say, as things are looking, it's very thin ice for Kvyat that if you've got either Albon coming down or Sunoda coming up, either way it doesn't really bode well for the Russian driver so I think that's uh, that's going to be something for him to sort of think about and what he wants to do with his future but yeah those sort of that pool of drivers there's about sort of four or five drivers there Perez, Hulkenberg, Kvyat, Sonoda all wanting these sort of seats but there's only two of them available and I think it's going to be really interesting to see who ends up landing them. Well, yes, you mentioned Daniel Kvyat there, Luke, and it was interesting. I noticed as I was uh, doing my driver ratings for the Portuguese Grand Prix last week that I fired for Autosport Magazine and Autosport.com Plus. Uh, Franz Tost failed to mention Kvyat at any point in the team's post-race press release, which is pretty damning in itself, let's face it. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, yes, yeah, so interesting to see what happens with that other seat uh, to Alpha Tauri, but you would think logically it might make sense for, for Alex Albon to go there. Uh, well, you know, you know if, if, if that's what Red Bull decide to do and indeed retain him and I think he's definitely worthy of a seat in, in Formula 1 and I think it would be a, a great shame if, uh, if this were to be uh, at the end of his career at this level now which is on the motorways I negotiate not having to, to get in the way of any trucks and sit nice and slowly in the in the slow lane here um, yeah the, uh, the, other, obviously the other big news that started the day as I mentioned at the start uh, Alfa Romeo obviously continuing its partnership with Sauber and continuing with its current driver lineup Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi um, Kimi Raikkonen gets to extend the world record for uh, the most F1 starts uh, ever which obviously he took at the Eiffel Grand Prix earlier this month uh, we've been expecting that for a while although Kimi claimed he didn't have an extension in his contract uh, he was like there's no contract until it's signed or etc etc but yes we were very much expecting that and then the speculation was would Giovinazzi be retained which indeed he has uh, what's been the reaction to that Luke is it was is it a surprising decision do you think Giovinazzi has shown enough to, to continue uh, continue his place alongside Raikkonen I think the reaction was and the crowd goes mild was my sort of thinking for it that it is a it's quite a I don't know it's a bit of a it's a bit underwhelming I think that it's a it's a it's an okay partnership I mean Kimi's got plenty of experience Giovinazzi has I think been a good match for Kimi uh, over their sort of time as teammates together his first half season last year was a bit difficult but he's really sort of rolled things up since then and they've been very evenly matched but Alfa Romeo are kind of stuck in this Class C battle at the moment with with Haas and with Williams and whereas Haas have kind of gone well we're stuck here for another year we may as well just get in some new drivers some new blood and change things up Alfa have decided to stick with what they know uh, they, Kimi Raikkonen said it wasn't a difficult decision to continue racing with the team that obviously he's sort of still enjoying his racing and still still out there he said he does obviously want to be fighting higher up the order next season if possible but I think it's yeah it's a it's an interesting one I, I would have really liked to see them go 
for a junior driver, go for a, a Mick Schumacher, a Callum Eiler, a Robert Schwarzman maybe, because I think those three guys are really, really exciting. And I think Giovinazzi, particularly for my liking, has just had, he's had a lot of chances. And I just think that we've not really seen him take a, a massive step forward or really sort of stake a big claim for any uh, anything too spectacular. Admittedly, he is following in the footsteps of Charles Leclerc, who was the last uh, Ferrari back junior to come through that route. And obviously he spent just a single season at Sauber and was so spectacular he landed a Ferrari seat for the following season so obviously a very tough act to follow but still yeah I think so sort of the reaction to it was everyone was a bit like oh okay then and there wasn't really any any real excitement or anything like that uh, about the announcement but uh, nevertheless I think from a sort of marketing point of view I think keeping a driver of Kimi Raikkonen sort of uh, standing and renowned I think that makes a lot of sense for the team that's very very good and I think it would just be a case of that in another year's time, everything gets reviewed again. We know the Alfa Romeo partnership with Sauer, that's only got another season uh, it's been renewed for. So there'll be the same questions again this time next year. And of the two drivers as well. And I think as has always been the case with Kimi since probably about 2014, actually. It's always a one-year thing. And there'll be, are you motivated? Do you still enjoy your racing? All these questions uh, that we'll have to get to in another 12 months' time. Well, another, another topic that came up today was Max Verstappen was asked about his uh, controversial and pretty outrageous comments over the team radio in FP2 uh, at the Portuguese Grand Prix last weekend, which you know we, we addressed on the, uh, the Sunday Analysis podcast after that race. Very much unacceptable language and a very sort of strange reaction at the time not to, 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 to register that with Verstappen in terms of Red Bull or indeed the Formula 1 and FIA authorities. But he was asked about that today. Didn't quite offer a full apology. I don't think he used the word sorry or apologise, but he did at least say, I understand that the words I used were wrong. Uh, but yeah, Luke, what did you, what did you make of uh, Verstappen's remarks today about his existing remarks? So he did say that he understands the comments he made are not acceptable, which is good. That is progress. However, as you say, he did not apologise. He did not say, I'm sorry for saying those things. And I think that was that was maybe a bit disappointing. I think that it would have been a very... That would have given the whole thing a lot of closure if he had just said, I'm sorry. And he kind of uh, gave the answer of, I know that some people might be offended by this. And that kind of turns the problem around. And that's not really fair. Our colleague, Jake Boxleg, he wrote an excellent column about this on autosport.com that is, is free for everybody to read that really sort of explored the gravity and the severity of the words that Max used. I think that both him and Red Bull understand that that language cannot be condoned and that it is not right to use that language. But I do not buy and I do not frankly have any time for any of the comments about drivers saying things in the heat of the moment or anything like that because ultimately they are they are athletes they know the pressure they're under and, and also they know that the radios are open at all times and um, I know that part of the private explanation is it kind of was turned around onto FOM sort of saying well is it really fair that the drivers have their radios open at all times and but that's always been the case. Like Max Verstappen has always raced in F1 while there's been radios. So it's like ultimately what he said would always be out there in the ether, whether it's broadcast or not. Like we have access to all of the radio transmissions via F1 TV. So I think that that, that frankly wasn't that wasn't good enough to sort of have that. Uh, and I just really hope there is proper understanding from all parties of, of why it is not acceptable and why what Max said was so badly wrong. And I think this was only made more stark by the fact that Lando Norris's apology, where he said the word sorry, he issued a full apology for basically questioning, uh, maybe being a little bit flippant about Lewis Hamilton's sort of uh, record-breaking streak and everything like that in Formula One, saying that, oh, well, he's got the best car, he only has to beat two other drivers. And it was quite sort of, a, I think, a cheeky, flippant comment from Lando that had no actual real malice behind it. And But Lando yet moves to say, oh, I'm really sorry. And he spoke about that at length today, said that he even messaged Lewis Hamilton privately 
to say I'm sorry about this. And that, I think, that shows just great maturity on Lando's part and a really good understanding. So I think full props to Lando. And there's even questions of was it really necessary for him to do that? But regardless, he felt that he had to do that and actually sort of say those things. So I think big props to Lando. Very good stuff from a, a very young man. And I think that set an example that Max sadly did not follow. So I think we have now probably heard the end of this situation. But I think the comments that Max made, they won't be forgotten in a hurry. I think that it's something that everyone will bear in mind. And ultimately, we know that drivers do make mistakes. But I think it says a lot about how they own up to those mistakes and how they grow from them. And frankly, the early signs from Max are that he's done neither of those things. Yeah, as you say, Luke, um, yeah, some progress from Max Verstappen, but disappointed not to, not it wasn't more or a full apology, frankly, but there we go. Anyway, we shall move on to the last sort of topic we're going to discuss on this Bite Size podcast, which is the interesting new deliberate two-day format, because of course we had a sort of a two-day format at the Nürburgring uh, earlier on this month, uh, which is this Imola weekend. Um, you and I had an, frankly, excellent day yesterday, because because of the, the way the travel plans worked in terms of staying in the COVID bubble and getting tested at various times, we, we got tested in Portugal, and that meant we had to arrive in Italy uh, within 72 hours which we did on the Wednesday so we had a nice uh, a nice a nice day off on Thursday in which we came down to the track to get another Covid test which of course what you do what you want to do on your day off which was um, thorough there was a bit of twisting up the nostril which was uh, slightly uncomfortable but you know these things are necessary in this day and age it's a pleasant day and age uh, and yeah we had a lovely lovely lunch right by uh, right by the uh, uh, Ayrton Senna Memorial in the park there and it's absolutely an absolutely wonderful place to come and visit and it was just really really cool to be able to take that time and uh, that, you know, go and go and visit what is a uh, obviously very famous, very sad place in Formula One's history. But uh, yes, it certainly screwed my brain a little bit. I was, you know, coming home after that thinking, right, we've got Thursday, and of course it's Friday. There's no practice. I'm had to do my Friday feature. I'm talking on a podcast at length on a Friday, which I don't normally do. So it's all, all very, very different. And we've got the fun to look forward to tomorrow in terms of uh, what's going to be an action-packed uh, practice session, hour and a half, then qualifying, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be full on for the teams and for me as well when it comes to writing a uh, special feature for Autosport.com. Plus, uh, which you'll be able to read tomorrow evening. But what have you made of everything so far in terms of how this format is working? It has really thrown everything off kilter, and it was only at the end of the day that I actually realised I'd been sending all my transcripts and audio to our colleagues saying it was Thursday. And I've only clocked that literally as we've been leaving the track. So I apologise to my colleagues for my idiocy. But it's no, it has really sort of thrown things off. Like it's very, very strange. Sort of, and I think we're going to go into tomorrow having practice, and then it'd be like, oh shoot, it's qualifying. Like it really is going to sneak up on us. But it's uh, it's an interesting sort of experiment. And ultimately, it's been partly born out of necessity, purely because the trip from Portimao to Imola is so long by road that you can't really do it in sort of a couple of days. That you need to break it up a lot, and therefore it wasn't really practical for all of the teams to have got here by Thursday to be able to do running on Friday but it is I think a look at F1's future we obviously reported on Monday that the 23 race calendar for next year has been presented to the teams given the times that we live in it's obviously quite optimistic I think to have so many races on the calendar but as we get towards sort of this magic number of 25 or so races that Liberty would like to see in the future two-day weekends are probably going to become more of a thing particularly with the triple headers that we've got on next year's schedule two of them currently penciled in one of them being a 
across Singapore, Russia and Japan. And uh, all of the teams and drivers, a lot of them were asked today, sort of what are your thoughts on a two-day weekend? And a lot of them said, yeah, they'd be well up for it. Ultimately, it does make it more of a challenge that you've only got that one practice session to really dial things in and, and try and get an understanding of the things. And then when it comes to things such as strategy and managing tyres and getting the best sort of setup on the car, you are dancing in the dark a little bit. Like, you've really got to sort of hope that you can get it right first time around. Otherwise, you're going to be in a lot of trouble in the rest. So I think that's something that's going to be a leveller in some ways. Other teams, uh, Alan Pemain from Renault, their sporting director, he said that the big teams ultimately are still going to be on top because they've got the best resources, they've got the best way to sort of react and adapt and understand things. But yeah, I, I think it should be pretty interesting to shake things up. So I'm really excited to see actually how practice goes tomorrow. And I'm not one who gets particularly excited by practice sessions, but I think it could be a good one. We're going to see a good mix of everything, race runs, quality simulations, the full lot, and then dive straight into qualifying a couple of hours later. Uh, yeah, I think the drivers are really going to have good fun out there. Well, speaking of good fun, as we drive home, Luke, uh, you and I just ran the track, and I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit of a boast now, but I have extended my uh, winning record to two, after <laughs> having gone faster than you in Portugal last week, because uh, I was quicker today, but I did have the advantage of having run it yesterday while you were hard at work, breaking that George Russell story about his, uh, his, his, his trainer hats displaying COVID symptoms, so a little bit outrageous there, but, but, but nevertheless, anyway, yeah. Uh, and also, I didn't notice the Thursday transcript, so that shows you how much attention I was paying. But, uh, but there we go. Anyway, Luke, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast tonight, and thank you to everybody listening along. Now, just before we go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine came out yesterday and is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers. If you'd like to follow Autosport from the comfort of your home, visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Autosport podcast. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.